With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Lady Bird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like New York, or at least Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> She has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can, your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. Please stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex. I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Lady Bird, and the story is as follows. Marianne McPherson, a Californian nurse, works tirelessly to keep her family afloat after her husband loses his job. She also maintains a turbulent bond with a teenage daughter who is just like her, loving, strong-willed, and deeply opinionated. The film is starring Saoirse Ronan, Laurie Metcalf, Tracy Letts, Lucas Hedges, Timothy Chalamet, Beanie Feldstein, Stephen McKinley Henderson, and Lois Smith. It is written and directed by Greta Gerwig. And joining me for this review, I have Will Mavity. Hello, everybody. All right, Will. So I saw this film quite a, quite a while ago, actually, at NYFF. Uh, you just saw it recently, so you're probably a little bit more up-to-date on it than I am as far as the uh, old noggin memory goes there. Uh, this is Greta Gerwig's debut film as a director and writer. How do you think she did? 
It's not flashy direction, but it's certainly a very impressive job as far as just sheer competency goes. The film's very well-paced, particularly the first third, really moves along well and has a crackling sense of energy to it. And I guess this, her script helps. It's a movie that just has less of a concrete merit narrative and more just moments, but they fly by nicely. It's well-framed. There's interesting shots in the school gymnasium, for example, whenever the girls are assembled for classes. I mean, she did it. She did a good job. The music choices fit. She works well with her actors. This isn't something where, you know, it's, it's not like David Fincher's work in The Social Network, where I think it's best direction of all time level material, but it's, it's a very good start for her, and it's, it's competently done. Yeah, I would say it's like the Tom McCarthy spotlight uh, level of directing where it doesn't call attention to itself, but it puts the story forward first, puts its characters forward first, and it kind of stays out of the way of them and lets them do their thing, and it allows for a much stronger, more delightful experience overall. This film is uh, one of the best pure joys that I have experienced in the cinema in 2017, I have to say. And a large part of that um, is from a nostalgic stand- uh, standpoint. This film takes place back in 2002 at a time where um, I myself was not not in high school yet. I went into high school in 2004, but I'm, I'm pretty close to it. You know, I mean, she's obviously uh, the character that Saoirse Ronan plays in this. Um, uh, what's her name again? Christine. She is going into college. She's currently living in Sacramento and wants to move. And The Midwest of California, as she describes yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just very interesting because there's not really like any high stakes. It's not a life and death scenario movie. And there's nothing about it that's particularly like got like a hook, so to speak, you know, to the narrative. It's just... Typical normal people that you can very much relate to going through typical normal problems. And yet, somehow, some way, Greta Gerwig makes this movie uh, just so, so relatable that you're able to put yourself onto at least one of these characters. There's, there's definitely multiple or, or at least one character you see when you watch this movie and you're like, I know who that person is. Like, I've met somebody like that before. You know what I mean? She she captures the the spirit of those types of people so well. I bet everybody knows someone just like Timothy Chalamet's character from high school. I knew several like him. You know, it, it was spot on and it's recreate and all the characters were so distinctive. I think you're right. There isn't really a central narrative. You know what it feels like? It feels like the last third of Boyhood without the pseudo-intellectualism, and it's a lot more fun. That's what it feels like to me. And it's, it is just a joy. It feels so real. I mean, it somehow walks this weird line of feeling like you are just peering into someone else's life, but also being wonderfully cinematic and hilarious. Because honestly, this, I, this and The Big Sick are the only two films this year where I just had a smile etched across my face the entire time. I agree with you, yes. It, it was just such a joy to watch because it is so damn funny. You know, it deals with some pretty serious issues, but the entire time, you just little moments that don't really add much to the narrative. There's a scene where Stephen Henderson, who I thought was entertaining, and he's always good as a drama school and a drama teacher, 
decides to have them play a game to see who can make themselves cry first, and then he decides <laughs> to participate, even though he's like the drama teacher and just starts sobbing. It makes everybody like so awkward. Yeah, it's just such an <laughs> uncomfortable scene. Um, it's there, there's so much I like about it, and very little I don't. Um, Sersha Ronan's accent I thought was so good. She's completely buried her her wonderful Irish accent. It's you know usually I expect people to go more the Alan Rickman route of burying it, uh, particularly when they haven't really done a fully American accent film before. You know his uh, Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Please God, no, you're one of them. Or like Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, but Ronan, you know her accent was impeccable. And that character, you know, in a lot of ways is obnoxious, yet at the same time, she is so relatable. You know, I, I liked Lady Bird a lot, even as frustrating as she was. You know, you mentioned the Irish accent there, and it leads me to what I think is one of the best comparisons I could probably make t- to this film. I would say if people are wondering, like like I was saying before, like what is the hook of this movie? Like what what can I expect from this? Other than, you know, it's obviously, <laughs> I guess, uh, both of ours, uh, one of our favorite films of the year. Um, I would say to them that this is the edge of 17 with the sophistication of a film like Brooklyn. Is that, is that, is that a good comparison you think there? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a prime example. Um, I I enjoyed The Edge of Seventeen. I think this film will be find more success both with audiences and the awards circuit, just because it does have some extra meat to it, some weight, some craftsmanship. That that's a prime example of a Brooklyn. Yeah. I guess that's what makes it such a goddamn joy. Yeah, and you know, you brought up Ronan before and how impeccably great she is in this. We've been saying for years that she is one of our best actresses working today, and she illustrates that yet again with Lady Bird. You know, I think with Brooklyn, it was like, okay, like, she's obviously very good. She's clearly moved on from what we saw previously that she could do with things like Atonement, Hannah, and so on and so forth. Because some child actors who, you know, start off in this business early and, you know, young, they, they don't make it. And they don't transition well. Oh, I mean, look at Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she's, you know, really coming to her own. And I think now with Lady Bird, it's like, here's the stamp. If you didn't believe the hype before, believe it now. She is so freaking good. And it's not just about hiding the accent. It's about presenting a character that is very, very authentic and someone that just feels very real and has her own personality traits that clearly are not the same as Ronan's. You know, uh, you can't say this is Saoirse Ronan playing herself. No. Oh, no. No, this... And that's what I'm saying. Lady Bird is such a distinctive character. And really, all the characters are, and we'll get to Metcalf in a minute, obviously. But yeah, no, this is just a bizarre person, and I felt like I knew people like her in high school. And obviously, I mean, Ronan has proved she's a very good crier. That's not the only stamp of a good performance, obviously. But, like, she felt authentic every time she cries. You know, and also, she she's older than me, but she authentically felt like someone who's still in high school. I believed, even though she's, like, 27, probably that she was still a 17-year-old in high school. 
Yeah, I'm I'm 27 years old, and there's no way I could convincingly play a 17 year old in high school. <laughs> and it's a very hard line to walk to be a up your ass kind of obnoxious high schooler and also be likable. I say that because uh, Eller Coltrane, you know, in Boyhood is just by the time he's in high school, you want to like reach through the screen and strangle the life out of him. Whereas Ronan pulled it off. You know, she. If she were my daughter, she would be maddening. But this is someone who you, you do feel sympathy for. Now let's talk about that relationship here because that is obviously where the heart of the film is. And that is the relationship that she shares with her two parents, but more so with her mother, played by Laurie Metcalf here in this film. So good. I definitely want to talk about her. But before we do get to her, uh, I do also want to talk about Tracy Letts, who I do feel like is unfairly being pushed to the side in favor of Metcalf. Um, you know, and and not just him too, but really everybody in this. You know, we were talking about Timothy Chalamet before, Lucas Hedges. <laughs> this is like one of the best ensembles of the year where everybody's perfectly cast and everyone plays their role exactly as they should. Yeah, Hedges is really good. There's one scene that I can't give you context for without revealing a big spoiler but there's an aftermath scene where he gets to be very, very emotional that, you know, proved he was not a one-hit wonder with... Um, Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, there's there's a really, really emotional scene he gets to do here. And he also, he pulls off, you know, he was playing someone who was kind of too cool for school last year. That's another one where clearly Timothy Chalamet's not playing himself because his character is so awkward in this movie and he feels so authentically awkward. It's great. I mean, he yeah, he's very good. Chalamet, you know, he, he's kind of one note, but he's supposed to be, but he convincingly plays an asshole. The characters who played her friends are good. The teachers, you know, there, there's several memorable teachers and school board members. They're all very funny. But yeah, going back to Tracy Letts, um, he's always good, and at least on screen, seldom gets the acclaim he deserves. But yeah, you know, like he's... He has... I think the reason he's getting ignored more in favor of Metcalf is because his character, you know, as the wife describes it, he quote-unquote always plays the nice guy, which is what he does. You know, he never really gets to break down. But there's a lot of warmth. You can see his insecurities and frustrations lurking beneath the surface. And still, in spite of everything, he just deeply loves his kids. And even when they do things that make him look bad, when they take opportunities that could have been his, you know, he still cares about them, puts them first, and does everything he can. And yeah, he reminds us... I thought he was very good in last year's Christine, too, and I'm sure he'll be good in this year's The Post. He's really a just unsung hero of 21st century film. I totally agree with you on that. Um, and before, once again, before we get to Metcalf, I do have to ask you a question, Will, because you did see this more recently, and maybe this is something that I didn't quite catch in my screening. Um, she has a brother in this movie. His name is what? was his name? Miguel? Yeah. Okay. They're clearly not the same race. Yeah. And, and, and I was trying to figure out, are they biological siblings or was one of them adopted? Like, what's going on there? So I think when you look at the – this is kind of a spoiler. But there are letters that Laurie Metcalf wrote for Saoirse Ronan's character that she reads. And you just see them flash across the screen fairly quickly. So you don't really get to see what they say. But one of the things they mention – is that she didn't think she would ever be able to get pregnant, and she didn't have a daughter, she didn't get pregnant with her, 
until she was in her 40s. Um, so I think the assumption is probably that she thought she was infertile and they had adopted a child years before, which is why there's a big age difference. It's never explicitly stated, but that's the implication, you know. She thought she was barren, so she adopted, and then voila, she's 44 and she gets pregnant all of a sudden, which is also why she's in her 60s and still raising a high school age daughter. Well, okay, well, that's really good for me to know because I was almost ready to throw that as a knock against the film. But now that I know that explanation, it makes a lot more sense to me here. Um, okay, so now moving away from all the other family members and all the friends and teachers and everybody else in this movie, let's get to the main event here uh, other than Saoirse Ronan, and that is Laurie Metcalf, who's getting a tremendous amount of praise for her performance in this film. And in my opinion, deservedly so. Man, oh man, is she really fantastic in this. Oh my god. There's a scene towards the very end of the film in the car that made me... The Michael Clayton scene, I call it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that is is what convinced me that she was absolutely getting nominated for this. Yes. Me too. I had the exact same thought process. I even wrote down the notes right here. Car scene. Oscar reel. (laughs) I, and honestly, it made me want to go hug my own mom. Because, yeah, y- y- you know, like, she also has such a meaty character to play. This is someone who, uh, there's even a f- scene in the film where it-, it is implied that she loves but does not like her daughter. You know, her mom right. is, and that's, that's difficult to pull off. Well, she's very uptight. She's very, very hard on her daughter. She wants the best for her, but she's also got a very cynical worldview because of the family's own financial hardships and what it is that they're going through. So it's like she's trying to get her daughter to see the world more clearly and seriously, but that's not the type of person that uh, Lady Bird is. And I think it's just about these two people trying to best understand one another and trying to get to a place where they both can like each other even though society and biology says they should by all the laws of the world love each other yeah and i I think that is interesting because a lot of films you know explore the complexity of raising a kid but it isn't often that they do explicitly address the difference in loving and liking your child And they don't sentimentalize it. And I think that's what gave the film such a raw power. It it made me almost want to cry because that is such a good... Yeah, I feel like a lot of people feel that way. They don't really appreciate everything their parents did for them until they go off to college. And Lady Bird, you know, Sacramento in many ways is, I think, meant to be a stand-in or a, a metaphor as a whole for how Lady Bird views her mom, too. You know, because the whole time she wants to get away from Sacramento and everything she finds boring and constraining about that. And then obviously, you know, at the end of the film, she's reflecting on Sacramento and realizing there were things she appreciated about it as a kid that she never really understood and maybe she misses now. Um, And I think that is her mom, too. You know, that Sacramento is a nice little metaphor for her mom. This is someone who she felt constrained by, someone who thought was boring and going nowhere as a whole, who she now realizes was such a wonderful force in her life. And, oh, God. Yeah, Metcalf really hit me in the feels in this. I, you know, like, I know it's more of a mother-daughter movie, 
But, even, you know, even think about my own relationship with my mom. This... I don't like to get subjective in reviews, but I think that's a big part of the the reason the film spoke to me so much, and I think is evidenced by its money. Most people had complex relationships with their moms growing up. Yeah, and there's a, and there's a lot of complexity here, and not just a relationship with the mother, but also, too, as it comes with uh, teenage angst, confusion, the exploration of sex, uh, sexuality, everything that we went through at age 17, 18 years old. <laughs> the losing her virginity scene is so funny. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, when Timothy Chalamet says to her, why were you hoping it would be special? You're going to have so much unspecial sex in your life. Yeah, but I also <laughs> like, it's been like 15 seconds. And then she's like, are you done? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also like, um, just the line. Cause I did think this was funny where she's like, who the fuck is on top their first time? <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It was, it was, it's, you know what? It's, it's funny. But in such a realistic manner, like I was saying earlier, everything about this film is just uh, very authentic, very genuine. And as a result, nothing feels manufactured. You know, there are sometimes when you um, listen to dialogue in film and you could clearly tell it was written. This is a movie where even though Greta Gerwig has said that it's not a personal film to her, um, you can't help but feel like it is. And I do find that very striking that she admitted uh, later on that this was not based on like her own personal life because it has that same quality to it that made me fall in love with a film that you mentioned earlier, Will, and that was The Big Sick. That was a very, very personal screenplay. So uh, I think that that makes this, if anything, even more of a miracle in the sense that you know she's not writing this from that uh, uh, personal place, although there might be elements of that uh, sprinkled throughout. The fact that she's able to manufacture these characters, the situations, and really, really um, get us to understand the complexities of what it is that they're going through in life is just—it—it it, it just works so perfectly. I—I—I I, I cannot stop gushing over this movie and just how much I love it. You know. It feels so specific. I I'm shocked that it was not autobiographical. There, I mean, there are so many aspects that uh, him reading uh, a People's History of the United States. You know, for example, like oh yeah, you know that kid who does that. But just so many and like the Odia Rush character. I definitely knew people like that in high school. Everything about the Catholic school experience, too. You know, we discussed this in Ovitiate. Mm-hmm. I went to Catholic high school. I did theater in Catholic high school. Like, so there was a lot that I gravitated towards, definitely on a personal level here. The school dance, you know, where they're, they're like, six inches for Jesus, you know, like, oh, yeah, I heard that exact phrase back in the day. crazy the uniforms they have to wear it's that's why i'm shocked that it's not autobiographical because it does feel so personal i think you're i think that makes it one of the best screenplays of the year because she has created the ultimate in a slice of life movie and it's not some you know like oh yeah this is what i think teenagers are like kind of link later look like in boyhood this is no yeah this is totally what teenagers were like for those who are who aren't aware i'm not a big fan of boyhood well uh in just continuing our conversation here it's actually time for it to come to an end will final thoughts on ladybird oscar potential great out of 10 okay so i think an unsung hero of the film is its editing i think we should mention that it's very i mentioned it's well paced and that's largely gerwig's direction and a snappy screenplay but this film flies by there's a cut that i just love that basically is 
a scene where a horrifying revelation happens to Ronan's character, just earth-shattering for her, and then it cuts immediately to her getting a cast removed off her arm, and then just cuts from there to something completely unrelated, and it's this almost random editing that works so well. So, it's not going to get nominated there, but it will get an ACE comedy not. Uh, comedy editing nomination, and I think that's worth a shout-out. So, actual Oscar potential, um, I think it's a good, solid contender for lead actress and original screenplay. I'm not sold that it gets into either, but I think in light of its 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and strong box office, yeah, I think it'll probably get into both those. Metcalf is definitely happening, as Matt and I both mentioned, and I think it gets into picture. You know, it's funny, when I saw this film back at NYFF, I too said, Metcalf is a sure thing. And then I think I said, screenplay is probably the next thing that's close, but I'm not 100% committed. And then Saoirse Ronan and Picture were, you know, that third tier where it's like, I could see it happening, but less likely so. After seeing how much the buzz has sustained itself, the critical um, the critical praise is still there, and the strong box office, I too am ready to say that it gets those four nominations on Oscar morning. Yeah, I I, I think so too. And um, you know, I guess rating out of ten, I'm gonna give this. I, so here, how about this? I will never give a film a ten out of a ten. I just won't do it. So this is a nine, but. There's really nothing I dislike about this film other than maybe it becomes a little too aimless in its third act. But it's emotionally powerful, it's funny, and most importantly, as Matt said, it feels authentic. So it's a solid nine. You know, I'm at I'm at a nine as well on this. You know, part of the film's charm is how much one can relate to it. Um, the reason why I give it a nine instead of a perfect 10 out of 10 is because if you can't find much to relate to in this film with the with the characters one i don't know what kind of a human being you are but i doubt this film will do much for you because that is the only thing that there really is to kind of latch onto here and that is what makes the film work so much is you either identify with the tracy letts character the laurie metcalf character the saoirse ronan character um if you relate to any other characters in the film cool but they don't really get as much to do and so I could see then if there's not much else really there. But I think Greta Gerwig gives so much to these characters. Like, I, these feel like really, really completely authentic, real characters that have so many qualities about them that I do find it almost like impossible for anyone to dislike this movie. And I think it's a very, very hard film to dislike, but that is literally the only thing I could possibly see. I don't see how you could find these characters to be annoying. I, I get I get why you would think that, but I think they redeem themselves by the end and all is okay in the world, you know? So I, I don't know. Could you, re- could you really see, other than some these like people can't find something to relate to with these characters, can you honestly see any faults in this film other than that? No, I saw it with one person who didn't like it because he didn't like how aimless it was and he thought it lost all its steam after the first act. But Wait, just... I don't understand that because, like, Richard Linklater makes aimless films, you know, Terrence Malick makes, you know, meandering aimless films. How is this that? I, I, because it does seem to have such momentum even if there's not a clear narrative. I don't. You think you think what I was saying before about the lack of life and death stakes, and the fact that this film doesn't really have so much of a hook, other than the fact that it's presenting real characters in real situations. 
you know, I guess for I guess for people that want to escape. I go get. to the movies for more of that fantastical like storytelling. Do you, do you think that's what people like? Are they just they look at this movie and they go, "Oh, it's fine." But like I, the couple people who didn't like it liked the Florida Project, and I think that's even more meandering. So I, I, I find that so confusing. Then yeah, I don't I don't understand that at all. So yeah, I, I almost think I almost think you're a sociopath if you don't relate to this movie and love it. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a very big fan. I think everyone's going to be a big fan, and I think it's going to make a lot of money. Like, not huge amounts, but I think it's going to be very financially successful in a way the Edge of 17 should have been. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, the way I also kind of um, uh, made it right in my mind was that I gave the Edge of 17 an 8, and I was like, oh, well, if that's an 8, then this is definitely a 9, you know? I, and I and I too hesitate to give the ten out of ten as well because the ten out of ten for me has to like check off like a lot more boxes in terms of being like technically proficient has to have at least one element of the film that is like completely brown, groundbreaking in some form or way really really like transcends all of our films of cinema et cetera et cetera and like that sort of quality is like really really rare I will say this though if I was if I was not a harsh grader. You know, if I was not the, the person that I'm sorry, I am, uh, this would be a 10. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're just very, very tough bastards. You know, <laughs> what, what, can we, what can we say? Okay, well, well, where can they find you on the internet, my friend? You can find me on Twitter, Mavericks Movies. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Lady Bird on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. And we will see you all next time. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.